Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, some essential metaphysics we all should have learned in high school, yin and yang dynamics. Much more than a cool symbol that makes for a hackneyed tattoo, yin and yang underlie all things, but the concepts are especially relevant in human relationality, though rarely appreciated as such. We refer to a handful of charts also during the podcast, which are helpful to see, and you'll only find the video version on YouTube, so tune in there to see in addition to what you hear. Thanks so much for listening. Greetings and welcome forward, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Stace, for being here. Hello. Greetings. Greetings. Uh, we're going to return to and deepen a topic that we have talked about before, but not in these ways, and that is yin and yang dynamics, especially related to relationality, I imagine, is the focus today. You bet. Uh, both uh, both in men and women and in relationality, it's a really complex uh, subject, uh, and we'll do a little deeper dive, like you say, on it today. And, and the reason, um, part of the reason it triggered up for me to want to talk about this is just I, you can't not go through a, a, a news cycle uh, w- without hearing about uh, You can finish this. that sentence so many ways. You can't oh, get through so a news cycle ways. without, it's like a sentence completion. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. In this case, uh, all this uh, amazingly um, lurid in some way, gender identification issues in our culture. Mm-hmm. In our quote-unquote free society, uh, where anyone's opinion, uh, they have a right to be uh, hurt by your non-support of their opinion, um, especially in gender gender identification. And I'd like to preface this with saying that's not a criticism of of men and women who are honestly uh, confused about whether uh, about how their body uh, physical body state doesn't match their internal sensibilities. Um, this is a terrible, horrible thing that we all go through in some lifetime or another. And now there's room in an evolving society for that to come out. Uh, but what I want to offer today is that all the uh, the excesses um, uh, about it can all be tracked back to how we've never had a solid, uh, emotively mature definition or even understanding of yang and yin. Oh, that's a really cool frame for it. Mm-hmm. I get what you you mean. see, because there's there's been no foundational, there's been no paradigm that that has the foundation. First of all, that there's yin in men and women, and yang in men and women. Right. The def, the default uh, uh, assessment and framework is always men are yang and women are yin, and this is, like um, dare I say it, high school level metaphysics. Uh, <laughs> uh, because metaphysics are not taught at all anymore. Yeah, and, it would be. And how many ways and some ways of looking at things, not always, but mm-hmm. a good 70% of the planet uh, never e- consciously, consciousness evolves past high school level. They just mm-hmm. get older. Um, and so um, that's what happens when we're 
dominated by our inauthentic uh, version of being because it fixates in those teen years. Well, I'm going to I'm going to possibly jump ahead, but I, I think it might be interesting. I've been wanting to write a blog for um, a few months about uh, especially triggered. It's always triggered by the news cycle. I've always wanted to write a blog about the time in college. I think it was my junior year, junior year and senior year where I thought I was bisexual. Mm-hmm. And um, it really entertained it for a solid eight to 10 months, kissed a couple of guys and was crestfallen when I really didn't like it <laughs> because <laughs> and very confused. I was I was yeah, confused. Yeah. But but amidst it, there was a, um, especially in the beginning, there was a lot of excitement and aliveness and meaningfulness and uh-huh. so seeing so much uh, in the news cycle, as you say, it's caused me to reflect on like, okay, well, it turns out I, I wasn't bisexual, but what was really going on there that caused me to think I was? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things, um, you just connected some dots for me because w- one of the most salient things going on at that time was I was, I was going to say dealing with uh, a lot of depression, but I wasn't dealing with it at really at all. I was suffering under it. And was using, um, I had dead-ended martial arts and exercise and bodybuilding as a Mm -hmm. control-based way of trying to compensate for it. I was very buff and very tough. And that didn't work. Very young. Very young. Thank you for that. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then I think amidst the dead ending of that, when I realized the depression was still there, Somehow I got this idea. It didn't help or it did help that there were a couple of um, gay guys who were really interested in me and were kind of trying to convince mm-hmm. me to try the other team, <laughs> which was flattering <laughs> and definitely an influence. Sure. Sure. But, um, but now I see depression is yin. Yes. And uh, what, uh, 10 years later, I would work with a depression part who was mm-hmm. female. Yes. And that, so what happened was the, the, just the entertaining of that I might be interested in men also, actually what was going on, it was, it gave me this first sense of meaningfulness, doubled as they sometimes say, my chances of getting a date on any given Friday night. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Cause I was not very successful in that realm in lots of ways, uh, mm-hmm. very, very lonely and very desperate at times. So there was an excitement of like, oh, there's this aspect of me that never got to be there and how meaningful and how exciting and my friends looked at me in different ways and it was accepted and you know this was the mid 90s so it was no longer um seriously stigmatized it was starting to be actually cool and where now it's quite cool um but it gave gave room for my yin depression part I think mm-hmm. that's what really the core of it was. And I started to kind of walk different and the feminine aspects of me got to sort of express. I mean, I still remember the feeling in my bones now. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big component about what was going on. So Wow. And, and, and only because you've talked about it in earlier podcasts, mm-hmm. I just uh, put that in the context of the subterranean really buried existential issue of knowing your father wasn't your father. Oh, right. Yes. So you had no young template um, that fit and resonated with your particular soulful uh, bandwidths. So that would take front and center. Um, it's a, you know, in, in psychology, especially Freudian, it's sort of like a joke now uh, that uh, strong mothers create gay men and a strong fa- lack of strong fathers can also do that. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah. it's not, it's not 
100% untrue. It's just been overemphasized yeah. without seeing the complexity of things. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. That was at play too. And added on to the identity listness I felt because somewhere in me, I knew I, oh. I never felt like I belonged in my family, which is sure. also related to my soul species, which has an issue yeah. with belonging in the first place. Right. So I, the, the idea of being bisexual, bisexual was like, there's a whole community there waiting for me. I have an identity now. I started wearing earrings in both ears. You know, it was like a thing. And unbeknownst to me, it was, um, uh, it, you know, I wouldn't say it was like shadow or anything. It was a reasonable experimentation when I was like 20, 21. Sure. But for sure, somewhere in me, it was a grasp at having an identity because I felt so lost. Sure. But in my day, um, if you wore a stud earring in your left ear, you were you were gay. If you wore it in your right ear, you weren't or you were bi. So we had a little different code. In, in the 80s, it was the other way around. It was the left oh, I, ear I, was straight. I, I'm, dis, I'm dyslexic, oh, so that could be I think the case. it was left. But that was a big deal yeah. for me when I got my right, because yeah. I already had one yeah. or two in the left ear, and then I got my right ear right. pierced and started to wear hoops, which was really like, yeah, that was... Look at me. I, you know, you don't necessarily know what box to put me in, and that was very enlivening at the time. And so, well, to me, it looks like a crisis of of identity and meaninglessness for a lot of people. Um, and the, sure. like you said, and I'm sure we'll talk about the confusion around yin and yang and how you can how to express that. You bet. And interesting, you bring this whole uh, rabbit hole up about it, which of course relates. Uh, <laughs> my de my depression sub persona was also female, yeah, and she was the one who wrote all my sad music. Uh, uh -huh. So, uh, or always yearning for heart to be fulfilled, and blah blah blah. And on top of it, of course, Luciferites, my soul species, we are walking bisexual souls. Oh God, I even think of that Raphaelites, which is mine, are also half yin and yang. Mm -hmm. in different domains of yeah. half and half. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a different domain, but, but um, ours is, I, I always, I never worried I, I was bi or gay. I wasn't worried about it. I just saw that artistically um, I was drawn to, uh, uh, to appreciate it. Handsome, good looking men as equally to women. Mm -hmm. And, but yet all my impulses uh, stayed in, uh, in um, hetero uh, for you using an old term here, cisgender. So I never really worried about it, but it was affirming uh, after I realized my soul species, a big part of um, wonderment went away about it. And then when I got further into the emotion, it was very similar for me. Depression was, um, was yin. And, uh, I, I felt over yinified because of my background, like background, a cosmic background radiation. You know, I, yeah. I was depressed in the background my whole life until I got into my own bloody paradigm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in that sense, I know just what you're saying and it can be really confusing. And that's why judgment on one side by, by a, a myopic, uh, religious, uh, uh, biases and judgments against the will of God is, are, are just are ridiculous. And equally on the other side, the whole pronoun thing where we have to take care of, um, uh, you because you're confused about your gender and we'll offend you if we don't, that's just as, uh, out, out there on the, on the left progressive side as the judgment on the, on the, on the right. So what's the middle road here? What's the, what's the, and here we've got the identity would, uh, makes, makes that, uh, claims that ground in between. And that's what I wanted to talk as a good, good way to uh, framework today, Joseph.
Um, so what we want to say again here is, and we'll, uh, we've got some charts uh, for those of you who are not seeing this on YouTube. Um, you should see this on, on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> you have a chart digestion we, opportunity. Yes. Um, our first chart here is, uh, uh, and we, we give good graphics here in Identity. Um, sure. uh, um, the first one is, uh, the title is Healthy Gender Embodiment. Um, I would say that now, this is old. Um, I would say emotively mature gender embodiment these days. But women um, have two-thirds uh, yin and one-third yang. And you can look at our pie charts here. Um, and uh, the three main bandwidths of, uh, of uh, dynamical bandwidths of yin is emotion, stillness, and heart. Uh, and that's true whether the yin is in women or in men, uh, emotion, stillness, and heart. And men are endowed with, uh, in identity's opinion, two-thirds young, uh, one-third yin uh, in the idealized, healed self, uh, authentic self, where your internal emotional body resonates with the gender uh, uh, physicality that you dialed in this life or doesn't resonate if you're straight and pretending to be straight uh, uh, and your internal um, emotional body is telling you uh, it's at odds with your external, well, you dial that in and, and you're right to say no to it uh, and, and indulge your emotional body first uh, and not be trapped in your physical body. So here, uh, and for men, of course, in young and men and women, because women are just as willful, energetic, and, uh, and intelligent and mind-based mind uh, in their Yang, uh, will, energy, and mind are yangic. And if we could just see this simple chart, because metaphysical foundations are not taught anywhere, not even in university, not even in, in religious education, especially not yeah. in religious, uh, they don't learn some metaphysics in seminaries. Uh, yeah, you know, I just from reminded in college, um, in what would have been 93, 94, I took a sociology class, class called the Sociology of Sex Roles. Which would have been a really great place to learn the metaphysics of yin and yang, but it wasn't there at all. No, and then all you've got is competing paradigms, uh, antithetical competing paradigms, trying to find an ersatz middle ground of negotiated solution, and it's impossible for two antitheses in ant antitheses to negotiate their way to an, uh, a, a, a solution. Oh, because right, they're trying to because the huh, is it true then that most paradigms are looking for a compromise between yes. men and women. Right. Not a negotiation, an honest negotiation. Exactly yeah, right. Uh -huh. Only a metathesis, a metathesis will solve two antitheses. And this is not really well known. It's talked around in a lot of philosophical uh, circles. But uh, for identity, it's a default, duh. Uh, two antitheses can never come to a fully uh, resonance solution, uh, only a metathesis that includes both of those onto a, under a whole new assumption. This work. is super interesting. Because this is why uh, every paradigm I know in the psychological world, um, MFCCs and marriage counselors, their, their rubric is compromise. Yes. Which mm -hmm. is not how identity looks at things. So they, no. Because they've got, from our perspective, two inauthentic selves green yes, yes trying to compromise each getting their mix of healthy and unhealthy needs met without right. distinguishing distinguishing between the healthy and unhealthy needs Exactly right. Oh, so well said. Well, I'll give in here if you'll give in there. Uh, but no identification that 
one partner in any one domain have may have 80% uh, green and the other only 20% green um, uh, in any one domain. So it becomes much more complex issue. Uh, 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 settling for I'll win some and lose some. And that's what really fair and equitable compromise is. That whole thing is, is just toxic. And, from, uh, and then add to this, this is how um, uh, the legislative branch of our government oh, yes. in the U.S. works, horse trading, right. they call it, right. like as if it's mm-hmm. innocuous. Um, right. And then uh, my my favorite slash least favorite in business when they say, well, if if it's a good negotiation, if everybody feels like they didn't get what they wanted. <laughs> ah, <laughs> what? It's a young planet. It's a young planet. Seventy-five, uh, about two-thirds uh, of the um, of the world is uh, stuck in really young, un um, unexamined kinds of philosophical premises, spiritual distortions, and humanistic uh, incompletenesses. So here's a, here's where we start. Um, this simple chart would change everything. It would change. It would take away all the drama and victimhood in gender identification negoti- uh, uh, negotiations. Let's say, uh, in an ideal sense, it would take it all away when we realize that um, I have. Yeah, we all have yang and yin distribution uh, in our being. Now it might be all skewed uh, in an, our our emotively immature version, but this is a rubric here for the ideal, which no one is 100% ideal, not me, not Brie, not anyone. But here's the rubric. You need a rubric so you can compare the relative health mm. <laughs> of something with this assumption. And working with this assumption for almost 40 years now, 35, 38 years, um, has, has unfolded astounding uh, 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 counterintuitive solutions to the war between the sexes. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, that's the old term that, that I grew yeah. up with. Yeah. So this right here, this, this is a life changer. This is a game changer. This simple chart. It would, uh, re- it would completely deconstruct feminism, which has become a, a basis for a lot of how people think. In sure. Culture. And, and that, of course, is another whole subject. Uh, mm-hmm. There's positives and negatives, the uh, prices that women pay for the necessary feminism uh, that came through in, in, in business and uh, personal relationships in terms of uh, power uh, and strength. Uh, but we'll get, we might get to that in, uh, maybe uh, as a follow-up to this uh, podcast today. But here we want to go with the yin and the yang. And um, in this sense, here's our rubric right there. So if we go to the next step, we, our second chart here is uh, young emergent. Um, here's the best visual I've ever seen of young energy. Um, it's, a, it's a male chiseling himself out of uh, an undifferentiated rock. In other words, uh, his hammer and chisel there is trying to find out what's, what's him and what's not him. Uh, yang uh, in active uh, operation uh, segments. We um, in our yang uh, aspect of being both men and women, um, we make differentiations between strong and weak, and healthy and unhealthy, or mature and immature. But yang um, uh, doesn't really relate uh, in in a way uh, at the yang in us. Uh, it's will based uh, energy in mind. And this captures it perfectly. Look how solo that is. Yeah. Uh, that that structure that that um, 
that statue. I, as soon as I saw it, my heart leapt. And of course, then uh, the next one for Yin is the same artist. Uh, here's Yin's and Identity's uh, point of view. And, and look how subtly and not so subtly that's relational because the, the, the woman's hair and her, the bottom hem of her dress, or however you want to say that, connect. Um, there's some internal connectivity that doesn't distinguish between stone and sculpture. It's just in motion, and she's standing on a globe. Uh, and the circle, of course, is such a beautiful metaphor for yin uh, that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, if you put those two next to each other, they make for a marvelous kind of, um, see, now they're right there. That's a very gay thing for a student. <laughs> marvelous. Marvelous you know? is a yin so, word. <laughs> it's a yin word for sure. I used to use it more than I did. I, <laughs> I, wor I worked with a, a wilderness uh, um, counseling uh, outfit particularly took uh, teenagers out onto, into the wilderness uh, and did work with them out there and teamwork and all that kind of good stuff. These are great. You know, I, I didn't uh, notice, I didn't appreciate in this, um, uh, in the yin image before that she's showing both of her armpits and um, her wrists, the inside of her wrists, which is considered uh, in the sex yeah. signals world. If a woman shows you her underarm or her wrist, it's like an invitation in because those are kind of sensual areas in some ways. It is, and look, look how unlinear uh, her her pose and her being is, as opposed to the linearity of the yang. Right? And it's facing out, whereas the, outward, the yang right? is inward. He's looking down at and himself, down. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's why what I meant about non-relational. Anyway, mm -hmm. I just want to follow up on that marvelous point, because uh, I was working um, uh, in, uh, in this wilderness uh, thing, and it was run by a husband and wife, and uh, the, the husband was convinced I was gay because I wasn't macho. And so he was absolutely convinced. And one time his wife, uh, in a private moment, uh, she took me aside and said, you know, uh, my husband thinks you're gay, but um, women absolutely know you are not. Mm. Uh, because they, she said, I, I sense that you're looking at women in a whole different way than you look at men. And that's easy for women to pick up. So mm -hmm. I said, well, that must be an interesting buy between you and your husband uh, that way. So, uh, um, yeah, just because of person, I, I'm macho. I was macho in my inauthentic version of myself, uh, uh, overly so, but not in my natural me, which was never all the way hidden, unfortunately. And there, or, there's the patriarchy inside of uh, the patriarchy. The yang relates <laughs> to a man is 100% yang, like that's the picture. And he doesn't share right. his feelings and he doesn't, you know, cook and, you know, he doesn't do nur nurturing things. That's the no. old picture. Yeah, and all these, you know, I just I also read today uh, in the news cycle, present news cycle, I, I read four or five um, versions of the news cycle in a day just because it's, well, it's my world. And I, I'm not an activist on the outside. Identity is a paradigm for inner activism, uh, not outer activism, uh, and necessarily. Um, I did walk once in a parade uh, against uh, or for uh, uh, single-payer health insurance, and so that was fine, but mm -hmm. I don't really externally activate. But anyway, uh, the point here is that um, when, uh, when I was reading today how there's a big uh, movement in uh, today's um, 20 somethings generation. I always get 
millennials and Gen X and Gen Y. Uh, yeah, mixed up a little bit in my bloody silly yeah, head. I'm Gen X. Millennials okay. started '84. Okay. I believe. Uh, at any rate, there's a lot of women really attracted to um, the, the, the stay-at-home, uh, in the kitchen, wife submission, uh, in varying degrees. It's a big. It's a big thing. They even have a name for it. I forget what it was. A little colloquialism. And the uh, youngest about. generations, like the twenties. Yes, in uh -huh. the twenties. Uh, and this was disturbing to me. Uh, and again, was a beautiful uh, uh, segue into what I wanted to talk about today is there's another example, just as you just said, I, you just reminded me of it, that uh, these roles uh, of stay at home mom or nurturing um, are, I've been, have been, we've been malconditioned that they're, ex they're, they're they, they resonate with, with uh, gender, uh, body gender types. And that is such a, a whitewash, simple, dare I say, um, really young kind of assessment uh, of presumptions and assumptions. Uh, it's so much more complex than that. And, and observably so. It's like what a man can't uh, be nurturing and a woman can't be strong. It's like the, you don't have to look very far or very deep to see counterexamples of those things. So it's so obviously not 100 zero. So why are we not talking? About why that? would you even consider? Of course, in my day, uh, when feminism became um, uh, popular, which was in my generational uh, 20s and 30s, um, uh, men, there was a thing out there. Did you know this, uh, Joseph? Men wore vests that had breasts that you could fill with milk. <laughs> So they, could, so they could uh, nurse uh, a, chi a child uh, with at least with formula, uh, uh -huh. warm formula. Well, that that to me, I mean, I was agape uh, when I first saw one, uh, and, I, and it was such a mixed reaction because, mm -hmm. well, yeah, there's a symbol for nurturing, but oh no, you don't become the, the, not the male attitude. nurturing. No, <laughs> no. It's not young nurturing. It's, no, yeah. young nurturing. Uh, uh, well, there's the yin in us yeah. men, uh, is, is, is nurturing, but the form of it coming out of a, of a, of a, of a, uh, X, uh, Y, uh, uh, genotype as we are is very different than breastfeeding. Um, so we got different bandwidths, uh, of nurturing, uh, and those are identifiably, uh, not, um, uh, breastfeeding. Well, and then implicit in what you said, just to name the the metaphysical elephant in the room is we would question if someone wanted to become a different, uh, sex, change their sex, like, um, surgically, we would question, is that because there's a yin or yang aspect of them that's not getting to express in some other way? And sure. so it's a baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. Yeah, we, um, that's a whole, that whole, that whole topic of gender altering surgery is again, really all knotted up in 10 different helixes of yeah. uh, misunderstanding because, uh, in the end, identity. If when asked, and sometimes I have been asked over the years, what's the, what's the um, your your assumptive paradigmatic position on uh, on gender altering surgery? And, and when I would always answer honestly, well, that's always a reasonable last resort um, if that's all you've got to work with. But we would always um, do exactly as you just named. Uh, we would look for what. Um, what gender um, uh, dynamic may be undernourished that's so much so that you want to overcompensate by cutting your, your physical body 
uh, in a certain way. So yeah. we would exhaust all the internal um, issues as you so beautifully self-revealed in your in your by uh, introduction. There uh, is that uh, there was a, a yin uh, emotion that was un- underappreciated and an identity of belongingness, and so all these all these kinds of things would be first uh, um, uh, um, explored in emotional body work, uh, in identity for the hidden reason why you would want to go to such a drastic means. If all those are exhausted and nothing helps that way, and you want to cut, uh, cut yourself into the new gender. Well, maybe that's the right thing to do, uh, in this lifetime to learn that it's not really appropriate to do that. But in this lifetime, you have to, everything is, you've got to experience this stuff. You've got a dead end, as we always say. So identity supports in the end, whatever you have to do, it may be to learn that that's not the right way, but we can't do it unless we embody it and get behind it fully. And it could be the right thing to do. Probably not for 10% of the population though. Right. Uh, But for some people, it might be exactly uh, appropriate. So we don't, we don't judge on pros and cons and simplistic yays or nays. Uh, Everything. And this is where religion goes crazy, of course. So everything's in the gray zone uh, for identity. Everything is negotiably metathesisable. Well, metathesisable. Metathesisable. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the, um, I mean, I don't know exactly what the requirements are with gender reassignment surgery, if that's what they still call it. Um, you do have to go through some therapy, but I, I think it's like, <laughs> sir, yeah, it's hard not to laugh because what is it going to be like 30 hours, 50 hours tops and in what paradigm, not yeah. in a paradigm that would challenge what no. is what are the real roots of this that that see mm-hmm. the yin and yang dynamics alone like they're not even operating with a yin and yang map such they could such no. that they could say maybe you're wanting to change your body because there's a yin or yang dynamic unexpressed in you they can't even ask that question much less explore um, it it's so it's so abc our world uh, in some of these domains not all but in, in many many of them i mean i i i, I once uh, knew a woman who breast augmented to a h cup size oh god and she was not um a big girl uh i don't know how and, big and, you'd have to be to wear lows uh, proportionally but and and <laughs> When I asked, well, did you have to go through some therapy before the um, uh-huh. the, the uh, plastic surgeon uh, followed what you wanted? She goes, yeah. Um, and, and this person, uh, want, they started out going from uh, A to C, and then that wasn't big enough. And then they went to D, and then the E, F, G. They just kept getting, she kept getting, she had like multiple surgeries to get bigger and bigger breasts. And I said, was there, did you have to go to subsequent therapy to learn why they were, why you didn't think they were big enough? He just, no, no. The surgeon just charged me, you know, I, I got plenty of money. So, oh I didn't man, want it. like returning a pair of pants every time to get a different size or style. Yeah. Oh, I man. Mean, now that's an exception to the rule for sure, but the basic premises are are devoid of internal um, uh, alacrity and acuity to what's really going on at the root, as you well, just said. Well, and I would say f- <clears throat> for that surgeon, um, that violates do no harm. I mean, yeah, because sure. it's obviously not about a cosmetic thing. The person's not satisfied. There's something right. underlying that's you know enabling, or so obviously. 
Yeah, and then the same thing with um, women who uh, have, you know, 15 or 20 surgeries on their face or the Michael Jackson syndrome, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, think of yeah. how trouble that genius artist was on the inside, mm-hmm. that he had plenty of money. And you think anyone challenged Michael Jackson when he wanted to have the nose of Elizabeth Taylor? Um, it's um, uh, That was his mommy uh, 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 projection, bless his heart, because he was, grew up in such a toxic uh, family. Mm-hmm. So, wow, my heart goes out to the guy because obviously I mean, this guy is gifted beyond all uh, in so many different ways. But there's a beautiful example of how no matter how gifted we are or intelligent we are, our, um, our EQ, our emotive quotient of um, not, not like in the, that's not the same EQ as uh, uh, emotional intelligence out there, which is just more energetic mental stuff. Um, uh, the low, e, e, low EQ has no relationship to high IQ or high CQ. Uh, so often they're inverse. Yeah, they're inverse. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, uh, his gifts uh, were, were, um, certainly challenged uh, when he was such an emotional deficit that he grew up with that wasn't his fault uh, in many ways. So no condemnation of anything here. Notice, please. Uh, uh, yeah, it's all learning. Is, it's all learning. Exactly. Okay. So now that we've, we've looked at statues of uh, that capture yin and yang, and we've defined kind of the dynamical bandwidth of of yin and yang. Let's let's look at how uh, yin and yang actually pranically express in etheric energy. So our next uh, our next um, a little uh, chart is a yin yang dynamics, um, and here we've got a case where we've got yin and yang, and how actually pranic the pranic form of relational relation with the world works. On the, they've got front and the uh, up and rear and the down. We're looking downward, uh, if we could say it that way, uh, the tops of heads, you could say. And uh, the yin way of relating to life, just like our, our sculpture in, intimated in its own metaphor, um, everything goes in uh, 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 primarily first, and that's from fourth chakra uh, in, in our picture of things. And then once the once you take in the world as it is, it passes through an, a, the filter of an emotively mature heart or an emotively immature heart. And if it's an emotively mature heart, what happens is the every all the information from the world gets goes through the heart to the soul in the rear, and gets rebooted and flavored by the soul before. It goes out and returns to the world. In other words, um, it's soulful, much more soulful to be yin with emotion and um, uh, the other aspects of yin. The reason that's easier, why women have more depth of field in many ways than than men who are at least over yang, uh, is the fact that uh, you've got what you've got is a beautiful uh, filter uh, as the prana comes in from the world, however detestable or problematic it is. Um, you've got a soul reboot of it that goes through the heart before it re- then the return and reaction. The, the arrows going the other way to the outward is our reaction. But an emotionally immature heart in a woman is going to be not flavored so well by depthful, soulful, healthy uh, uh, bandwidths and can come out just as toxic as men's. But this is the natural way for yin to breathe in uh, before breathing out their being. 
Uh, and I, of course, one of my favorite, my favorite line in all the wonderful music that came out of my generation is from Cat Stevens. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his lines was, life is just a maze of doors that all open from the side you're on. <laughs> uh, that, Poetic that, non-victimhood. Unbelievable um, that he was talking about yin that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to note here that this is an inward, an inward, open, all the life is just a maze of doors who, whose, whose doors all open from the side you're on. That is the benchmark of vulnerability. That's a benchmark of of, of esoteric uh, um, teachings of the East that says yield, don't resist, um, uh, don't resist life, uh, let the flow, like the flow. And of course, in identity's uh, picture, um, we hold that we don't. The Yang way of going through life is, well, we go through life, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. But here in the Yin. Actually, we don't. We're always here, right here. Life goes through us, through us, not we don't go through life primarily. So even mm-hmm. though I only have one-third yin aspection to uh, my young, young-framed being at this lifetime, um, uh, uh, in that sense, uh, uh, life goes, I've always had a feeling that life goes through me. Not I, don't, I go through life because even though I may change positional, uh, uh, longitudinal and latitudinal points on the planet's surface, that does not mean that I'm not, life doesn't move through me because I'm always here. I'm still, here's me. You know, uh, when I first started to experience this, uh, I was, um, I remember I was driving on uh, I-5 in Northern California and I f- had the experience that my car was staying still and all of the scenery yeah. was yes. moving through me. Nice. It right. has happened a bunch of times. And sometimes it's happened walking too, where I feel like I'm walking really slowly, <laughs> even not going anywhere at all. And it's right. all going by. Yep. Absolutely. We'll come back to this point because it's an important point about yang and yin here. Uh, so that's the yin way of chronically processing life uh, in, in, in uh, absorption first, reaction second. Um, yang is the opposite. Um, now on the yang side, which is more will and mind and energy based, we're always going willful, mindful energy first in young and the young and women too. We've got to mm-hmm. always remember this. Um, and so we're not reacting. We're, 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 we're acting before we react. Uh, whereas yin reacts and then acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this simple little pranic chart here, uh, the will, mind and energy uh, and beyond goes outward. And as it goes outward, then it comes back around and gets soulfully processed. Um, if we if we let our yin, if our yin is developed to a higher degree, uh, even though it's only one third of our being, it can be 50% of that one third active, 60, 70, 80. I'm approaching uh, about 85 to 88 these days for me, about my, in my one third capacity of yin. And so, the more you, uh, you, and this is the interesting point, this is why men and women have had wars. Look, I was I mean, just going to say, if you didn't right? follow that, we should unpack a little bit about how what yes. you just said over the last three minutes or so explains all of men's criticism of women and vice versa. 
Absolutely right. Men don't get it. Well, they're too busy in their head or their energy um, doing logic and linear thinking, whereas a woman is taking in a whole different database. The yin in a woman is taking in. They got two-thirds of it. Mm -hmm. So even damaged or wounded women um, have more innate uh, yin processing of reality, dynamical bandwidth than men. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that sense, this chart explains everything. Um, and if we go, if we, um, go to the next, uh, one, which is how young and yin actually, uh, uh, uh whoops, that's not it. Wait, I don't know if we're, I, I think we should talk more about this chart and how it explains men okay. and women's let's, so let's bring that down because there's right. a lot there. It's racing through my head. I just had okay. a, a, an argument with my girlfriend yesterday and this explains the very thing. I was triggered by something and I didn't realize it for a couple of hours. And she was out in, in, during the day and doing errands and stuff. And she was already feeling that I was triggered by something that she did before I did. Uh -huh. And then was upset that I didn't say something about that via text while she was out there doing something. It took me a couple of hours to realize I was having a feeling about it. And then I started working through those feelings. And she was upset, like, well, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, well, first of all, you weren't here. And second of all, like, I've been working through it. So mm -hmm. there's an expectation there of like, well, you should be feeling as much as I am right. and take responsibility for the impact that has on me. Right. Well, maybe with another woman they would, but that's not how Yang rolls. Like, that's right. we're slower yeah. to process. Yes. So the question is, why is that such a problem for you? Right. And, you know, if it were really slow, that might be another thing. If it took me sure. days and I was in active denial and acting it out, that would be another sure. thing. Sure. Um, and then vice versa, um, men want women to make sense in the head before they express their feelings. Yes. Or instead exactly. of expressing instead their feelings. Of, so many times instead of, exactly. And so uh, this is why um, for many um, people, and I can say this for a certain segment of human consciousness, that this is so problematic, it's actually easier to um, uh, uh, go uh, um, uh, non-cisgender with your own gender because you're at least on the same gender pranic bandwidths. Uh, you know, we'll look at, look at the difference. It's not unheard of, of course, but there's way more sex-only, um, penis-envy-driven kind of gay, gay men pick up sex going on uh, with men to men yeah. uh, uh, non-cisgender than there is with women who yeah. tend to bond much more um, heartfully and soulfully together. It's yeah. not that men don't. I, I've known uh, uh, many gay men couples uh, who they don't lead with all that sexual energy first, but it's undeniable that sex first which is energetic, of course, is way more prevalent in uh, gay men. Yeah, I knew a gay man who told me about a spot where you could go and have a sexual encounter and never even learn the other person's name. And oh. that's far more common among men than it is Oops. with women. Well, if, excuse me, but the um, there's a thing called a glory hole. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't uh, think women invented that. No, men invented a place where uh, where you could put your uh, erect penis through a hole in the wall and get it um, fellated. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, uh, and you never even met the person. And that's a perfect, just harking back to that statue. Everything is solo. Everything yeah. is solo. They, there's not a relational uh, space to uh, uh, young. And so what happens in um, with gay men is that the sexual uh, part of the young gets overcompensated because they don't feel somehow inside like a man. Uh, so they've got to over overheat ah. all the yogic energies to make themselves feel like men. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you deconstruct uh, a man, I, I work with a man. I worked on a, um, a gay hotline for a couple of years uh, in Portland. <laughs> time, time. Uh, I did not. I don't remember that detail of your life. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah, uh, and and uh, I would work with a couple of men who, um, you know, had three, four hundred uh, uh, sexual encounters in mm-hmm. their, and by the time they were thirty, uh, gay men. And uh, when I did, when I suggested very heartfully that um, that that outer sexual um, promiscuity, which our old word uh, for my generation, uh, when you have more lovers than half your biological age identity just suggests you consider the possibility that sex sexuality sex is an addiction um anyway uh, when these really out out to lunch number numbers come through i i i I work with one man especially i remember and could it be that um way way deep down you're acting out actually a, a male kind of insufficiency in you you're just acting out that. And that thought, he'd had tons of therapy in the past. That thought was never introduced to him, mm-hmm. uh, that, that his over overheated sexual um, activity was comp- was a compensation for an inner lack of feeling like a man. And, and for, for 25 points uh, for the audience, <laughs> why would mainstream psychology tend not to see that? Yeah, go ahead and answer for us, Because Joseph. they're interested in improving coping mechanisms, not removing them. And, yes. And uh, that changes the frame entirely. So if it, something is working for someone, working for the client, you don't challenge it unless it's destructive. Right. So please note, there's no moral judgment in having 100 um, uh, or 200 sexual partners. It's not about morality. Right. Do what you like. You're, we're we're all in some ways um, multi uh, erotic uh, erotical zones in all of us. Uh, have at it, but identity just simply asks a question: Do you think it's possible that da 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 da? Well, this new this was a this opened up a whole universe for him, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course uh, I, I work with a lot of men, but those, I'm speaking of one in particular, but a lot of overheated sexualized men, gay men. Uh, who came in because they were dissatisfied with it was always the same bar pickup merry-go-round and they wanted something more. So I said, I would always start with what's missing when you're over amping um, the, all that sexual activity. And they, that's, well, that's what we, I want, I can feel something, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And so when I would suggest that it, um, it's uh, uh, there's something under uh, sufficient in the young for the for a man it was always always a new a new thought so some of them rejected it some some have accepted some work with it some don't some didn't but um this whole point of view that um that uh yangic uh uh non-cisgender gay men uh uh that the preponderance that they utilize sexual um, uh, activity far more than long-term heartful relationship compared to women has data in it. Mm-hmm. And this is important oh, because interesting. you see, mm-hmm. you see, because 
biologically, guess what? We all start out as XX. All uh, girls, yeah. Well, uh, mm-hmm. we why do we have nipples? That's the uh, answer we, to the age-old right? question: Why men right? have nipples? Well, well, we all start out as yin, meaning there's something metaphysical about this. That means we all start out, or, or with the inference that identity uh, takes down, runs it to the end zone, is um, is that we're all yin is a more primary aspect of human consciousness. Then young, right? Because developmentally, it could have been designed that we start out as boys and become, and half of the time become girls. But it's not that way. We can even go back to the cosmogony of how all souls were born out of yin Mm -hmm. as a this being a fractal of it. Oh, that is such so juicy for me. But we won't go there today. Mm -hmm. But the point here is that yin and yang, bandwidths of being, are not equivalent. In, in quality or quantity. They're very different. And, and, and yin is upstream, yang is downstream. So downstream behaviors tend to be externalized and upstream uh, dynamical bandwidths tend to be internalized. So there's the picture of it there on this yin and yang dynamics uh, chart where uh, it looks equivalent, but men, um, sorry, we're, we chose to be men in this lifetime because we needed some experience of how to blend yin and yang in a whole different way, in a whole different paradigm. And that's, of course, identity for us uh, in, this, uh, in these uh, podcasts. So it's a really important point that yang and yin are not negotiably equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, everything I've learned is is in my emotional growth work and all men this is mostly the case use myself as an example has all been detoxing from excess yang excess yang and if you look at women who have excess yang that the excess yang shows up much more pathologically evident than in in some men who could have medium versions? A medium version of excess yang will look major big uh, yeah. on, on a woman as a comp- as a wound based compensation, and I and I feel bad for women who are eights, um, uh, oh, uh, eights yeah. because they've got a built in mechanism to over yang guys uh, uh, from their wounds. Uh, I remember two- years ago when I was in the dating pool um, as a Raphaelite, which is equal yin and yang at the level of soul. And having uh-huh. done a lot of emotional work already and having a lot of my own yin inhabited, I would often be dismayed that most women I met were more young than I was. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. I just can't, I just can't, I don't know how to relate with you. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. didn't, I, I felt like it could never fit. Yeah, and I was I was always the the young guy uh, in my romance. I didn't have that many. Bree is my thirteenth uh, partner this life. No kidding, I didn't know that. Yeah, thirteenth. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, and for somebody who's uh, be seventy two this year, that ain't a lot of experience. Um, but I always was the was the young, and I, I was really attracted to uh, feminine, um, energized women but who I always, I, I didn't want a slave. I didn't want yeah. a kitchen woman. I yeah. wanted a, a crusader who energized yin uh, dynamical bandwidths in her mannerisms and her yeah. dress and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I was toxically over uh, of course, uh, in, my, in my earlier relationships. Um, but we, men and women both, 
in emotive uh, body and soulment we do in personhood and identity, the main thing that we do, both genders do, is detox from excess yang. Right. Now that's more data yeah. about the non-primariness of yang relative uh, to yin. See, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, women almost always who come do the deep work are always learning why it wasn't safe to be yin. Uh, and that is, we could do a whole podcast just on why it's not safe in this world to stay as yin naturally as a woman even, is. Yeah, even with someone like me who started out um, in expression too much yin, uh, uh, we would we worked with the hidden what we call the hidden patriarch. Yes, because uh -huh. there is a there's a hidden yang uh, patriarch. In there, I can't really come up with the words for that. Can you say something about what that yeah. is? Yeah. Well, well, think of it this way: that uh, in well, let's make a contrast. In yin, in in more yinified men, there's always a hidden patriarch, and in over uh, uh, patriarchal men, there's always a little scared boy. Uh -huh. Okay. So um, uh, uh, over yangic patriarchy, it's just a little boy um, uh, uh, compensating for his unworth. Um, and, and that's where toxic yang happens in narcissistic men and power seekers and greed and all that. Like greed the is very man. Yeah, like the orange man. So a really sorrowful example of um, yeah. the worst of, uh, just, uh, uh, of these kinds of versions of toxic yang. So, so this is all really important because I've not, I've not ever really met anyone or met any paradigm that took this, why do we have nipples thing <laughs> relative to a, a metaphysical dynamical uh, baseline evidence for yin and yang characterization. I've, I've never met that anywhere. So I had to invent something. All these, all these uh, charts I had to invent to make sense the world for the world to make sense to me. Um, so once getting these pictures and feeling, these are all feeling pictures uh, in my in my experience uh, of making the charts. Um, to it's this is a seminal point that yin is a natural state of soulfulness. And yang is a secondary um, attribute that gets things done. Do we have to get things done? Sure. Do we have to survive for the first 2012 years of recorded history? Of course, we had to do get things done. We had to survive. But in 2012, when it switched to yin, now this yin version that's on this chart, now this is applying to both men and women mm -hmm. uh, to realize that to detox from toxic wound-based yang is the imprimatur of real deep emotional work uh, on, in both genders. And that is uh, right there in your face that yin is a deeper version of uh, dynamic uh, than yang. Even Yeshua, when he said, uh, one of the few accurate ones, according to identity, anyway, of quotes is his was uh, the meek shall inherit the earth. By meek, he didn't mean powerless. Yeah, the patriarchs in religion all think that's what it means. But meek means yin. Meek means take a breath. Let life come into you first before you react um, uh, or, or, or act to cover up so you're because you're scared to get vulnerable. Uh, the meek he meant is people, men and women, 
who are humbly inquisitive and curious about what of life, not predetermining what life is or should be and leading with that, which is exactly, of course, what you see in this young side of the chart. So all these dynamics, as you say, uh, all inform why the war of the sexes was even named that way. Um, yeah. And it's one wonderful, I, I'm a tough guy to watch rom-coms with. Um, <laughs> if you poor Bria, sometimes uh, I, I just, you know, I, I still got hair on my head, but it's, it's, it's going way fast. Um, I, I just want to tear what little hair out is because in a movie, a movie is a, is a worldview of the writer, uh, and the director. Yeah. Um, and so, and the, and the, and the actors are just, um, puppets that uh, play out that, uh, philosophy. So when I see justification for toxic interactions between patriarchal men and un, under over young men and un, and over yinned women, or the opposite over young women and under and, and, and over yinned men, trying in cisgender ways to get together, um, I just go crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, and then I, I, sometimes it's so overwrought, it's like you wonder, like, oh, am I supposed to believe this is a healthy relationship? Or exactly. are you yeah. trying to show me that it's not? Right. <laughs> sometimes you have to go through all the way to act three uh, in, a, in a script before you get what, what the um, filmmakers, the philosophy of the film is. Are you trying to show toxicity in this or are you supporting it? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of like, a Silver Linings playbook. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> for example. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Man, I love Bradley Cooper, right? And oh. it's like they're both deeply disturbed people who haven't worked out their issues and they bond in that. Right, so are we right. supposed to think that's a good thing or are they enabling each other to not really do their inner work? I... Actually, that that particular one, um, I love that they overlaid, that they were both mildly disabled uh, mm -hmm. in that way because that immediately gave a reasonable excuse for their excesses. Uh -huh. uh, much more uh, nuanced version would have been crazy to try to sort out what the philosophy, what we were talking about here. Mm -hmm. uh, here, they, they, I think for me, uh, for that film, um, it was, uh, here's a way you can connect uh, in your disconnection. Uh, here's a way for two disabled folks to play out their, their compensations uh, for covering up how quiveringly un, uninvited into the world they feel as their natural beings. Mm -hmm. Each overcompensating uh, with toxic young, both of them, toxic young, yeah. uh, both characters, men and women, was totally. a beautiful example of that. But still, uh, I, 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 uh, I think somebody once said to me a long time ago, I used to when I was born, I had one eyebrow and, and, uh, and my hair started at my eyebrows when I was born. It looked like a <laughs> grandpa or a, a werewolf. Uh, and uh, someone once, when I used to tell that, is, oh, was, you know, when we were talking about rom-coms, and I said, oh, maybe you lost all your hair on your forehead because you kept doing this every time you watched a rom-com. You know? <laughs> so uh, again, it's, uh, the rom-com can be a really lovely uh, venue for working out these kinds of subtleties, but by and large, um, it's pretty ABC um, stereotypical uh, most of the yeah, time. Yeah, they're sort of playing around with the happily ever after conditioning and sure. sort of teasing, like, look, it's possible, opposites attract, you know, that yeah, kind of well, yeah. love conquers all and, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, someone asked me once, uh, would you say, would identity say um, that love is enough? 
uh, for a relationship to find its, uh, they said succeed. And I said, well, identity never sees relationships as succeeding or failing. They just complete, yeah. right? Complete it some unresolved way or some resolved way. Um, and so uh, we would always say, no, uh, love, it, it, that's necessary, but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um uh, love, there's got to be what that is and what, what love means uh, in an intimate relationship is another whole topic, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in that sense, uh, there's got to be values resonance, not values, uh, identi- they have to have identical values, but, but the two worldviews of the, of the man and the woman, they can fall in love, but if they don't have commonality in, a, in their value system, they don't have to be the same, just resonant. Um, it won't, it won't work. Uh, and if you, you'll have to shrink to fit, to stay in it, to serve the love, uh, in that way. So obviously this whole topic is pretty complex and layered and we're just hitting the high points, but really important high points. Mm-hmm. If you're looking how to manage intimacy, uh, whether no matter whether you're cisgender or LGBTQIA plus, uh, whatever it is, these apply Another whole topic is how they get distorted in LGBTQIA plus uh, uh, dynamics, which is why sometimes straight people have to go undergo the deep work to see they're hiding their gay or, or non-cisgender. And sometimes non-cisgender people work through their stuff and see that they're really straight. Uh, we, we don't, we don't choose ahead of time or make a judgment, just what's going on with you, the individual, what's happening. What are you compensating with, with a false identity? Yeah. Uh, It makes me think I had a a friend in college who, um, when he came out, I was really surprised because he never seemed gay to me. And then within six months I had the occasion to meet his mother and she was literally the most overbearing, invasive woman I'd ever yeah. met. Yeah. And I don't think that was an accident. No, no, that's an old cliche, you know, an overbearing uh, uh, woman who we would say, well, I've seen many examples along those lines, Joseph, I'm glad you brought that up, where a woman actually energetically mates a mother with her son. That too. Precisely because the husband that they chose, um, lacks some male characteristic that happened to me in my childhood I, too, had, yeah. I was a born leader i was born this way i'm a born leader and my father was yin my mother was yang she had all the yang he had all the yin you can imagine for a son how confusing that is mm-hmm. where's my where's my gender template here right my mother was invasive uh, energetically over sexualized uh uh, it was a horrific um, soup to grow up in, um, but she bonded with me, mated with me energetically because I was more of a man than my father in many bandwidths. He's a really good man. Never said we would said it in, in, in the Midwest uh, growing up. Uh, we had a saying, well, this person wouldn't say shit even if they had a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah. And so my, no matter what, my father was always congenial and supportive. He was very mm. in that way. Um, and bless his heart. He lost his mother on New, Christmas Eve when he was Ooh. 12, Ooh. when he was 12. Mm. Uh, and so, and his father was an inveterate uh, uh, gambler and, and a really not so nice person. So uh, I grew up with a, a whole soup of this stuff. So I, I have a lot of credibility in addressing the whole range of sexual uh, um, directions and, and sensitivities and um, orientations and forgive them all because it's not my business, except when people ask for help with it. 
But I have I want to end with a kind of a bombshell assumption here of identity that I have not talked about ever before. Mm-hmm. If if it is true, and if I finally have my own embodied answer to this question, because I've been asking it for a long time, uh, theoretically, if yin is a more primary aspect of being, and uh, uh, what happens when a man and a woman operate out of their yin not not uh, gay women um but a man who's got an, a, a a deeply emotively mature version of yin and a woman who's decompensated from excess yang both of them having decompensated from excess yang here's a picture uh the last uh, chart yin yin and this is a really interesting thing here is oh, did uh, we also but, cover yin yang relational dynamics Sure. Oh, okay, no, we, we, didn't, didn't. we didn't do that at the moment because we, we're running out of time. Okay, here. so we're going to skip to the sixth one. Yes, I would okay. like to do that, if okay. that's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, because of the primacy of yin. So here's a picture. Well, look, this is a really funny picture. Um, and, and I'd like to start it out with the frame that the deepest form of love between uh, a, a man and a woman, if we're just talking about cisgender at the moment, um, real, the deepest form of love is neither express, given, or received. Mm-hmm. The deepest form. Of course, there's giving and receiving. In, in uh, the water at, uh, uh, in the Mariana Trench, uh, a foot uh, below the surface is still water, just like the bottom of the, uh, of the, bottom of the Mariana Trench but one's got more sunlight permeating and one has doesn't. So to say here that um, love has many different dimensions, but the, I want to offer um, that the deepest form of love between in, in, in a cisgender relationality and maybe in more than that, uh, other forms too, love is neither um, given or received. It's abided. Hmm. It's abided. And here's the, here's the hidden wisdom in this last chart here. Look, both are internalizing first. The, the, the doors open up on the side you're on. Look what that creates in the center. It creates a void, right? Because there's two vacuums going on. Oh, the Think space that allows in, for love to be. Mm-hmm. In this dynamic, and it's helped if you've done some, uh, both partners are enlightened uh, and non-dual. Yeah, sage and sainthood both. Sage and saint both, exactly. There's universality and pre-duality in this. Mm-hmm. That em- the nature abhors a vacuum. Even physics will tell you that. That vacuum is not empty. When both uh, 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 operate out of a yin aspection of being first, even a man, without losing any um, uh, yangic uh, manliness or edginess to him, uh, something rises. It's an induction. There's an inducement. And so when they're both this way, if the souls are suited for each other, that's a big if, which is rare. Um, Brie and I are, um, uh, she's the yin version of me and I'm the yang version of her, literally. Uh, her toxic young and my um, uh, I, my toxic young and her toxic young have been at war since we met, and we're finally getting close to this place. 
And for me, Yang goes initiates. So I'm, a, I'm and I've been doing work about 10 years long, longer than Brie has. Uh, that's not making me better. I just needed that 10 extra years to be even with her basically. Mm -hmm. But um, this started happening to me from my own work, um, embodying a human uh, bandwidth in my first chakra instead of the, my default sage and saint that I was born with. And uh, when I started actually feeling this stream, when I was with Brie, without acting preferences, without giving love or receiving love, just being here, I started to realize that a center thing between us was growing bigger and bigger, and I'm abiding with that third thing. We've talked about the third, one plus one equals three. That third thing is a, is a love thing That's that, that when we both do that, look, we're both letting the other into us first, and then our souls get to meet on the outside because we're giving each other the space to be who we are on the inside first. So to me, all of my expressing of love um, in the past as a young based being was absence of absent of this. Mm -hmm. And now my youngic expressions are still, they still haven't rebooted all the way, but I have 90% less expressions of love with Brie. And that gives her whoo, space to come toward me because I'm an overexpressor as a four in action and emotion, right? And so this has been the corrector for, corrective for me. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that when you get to a place with a soulmate, and Brie and I are soulmates, nuclear bombs and all, um, uh, you abide in the third thing, one plus one equals three. I always, I've had that for a lot of years, but now I'm having the embodied experience of a yin-based interface where I lose none of my yang. It's just secondarily appropriate where it should be. Yeah, and I've then... Two-thirds. Yeah, I've experienced that, and then it's like the the will and energy to act comes from that yes. place. Yes. It's the that's, moment that's knows what, what right. we're supposed to do. Right. My, I'm still young that way, but mm -hmm. it's this way second, mm -hmm. not this way first. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still bloody happy with my young based being. Uh, I like my body. I like being a man. Um, but wow. And this is what EB has done for me, for the founder of this paradigm. It, it, I, I muscle tested it on my mm. emotional body muscles and muscle tested this. And this is a lived experience now for me. And right there, there's where the uh, emotional and the personal goes right into the spiritual because Absolutely. in that, that space the, between two people, um, yeah. when, when there's it's configured in such a way so that love can move doesn't really move but be between <laughs> right. two people right. um, that's the three that informs both of them and that that's a decidedly um meta personal domain that's a spiritual domain absolutely what is that then what is it <laughs> what? if it informs you and tells you what's supposed to be happening exactly oh well said joseph and if we can make our clothes here um yin in both men and women is emotivity stillness and heart what happens when emotivity, stillness, and heart is at the first breath, an inhale between men and women, or women and women and men and men? I, I, I don't know. I've still, this is all. I'm just yeah. mapping this for the but first that's time. Putting love first. That's putting love first. Mm -hmm. 
and, and by inducing it up between you two by both healing excess yang. So I, I, I would say 90% uh, of, uh, of emotional wounding is, is the detoxing from excess yang, not excess yin. That's another piece of the puzzle confirming our picture that way. So I just wanted to bring that sense uh, when you really got it down deep all the way, uh, human-based love and spirituality-based love become one thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think we should let that have the last uh, word. <laughs> Let's. Uh, we hit the high points of, a, of an un, unexplored mountain range, uh, internal mountain range for the, our planet usually, and hope that those, um, those uh, um, peaks uh, uh, got in and helped some people sort some stuff out. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Stace. That was insert word here to describe that i don't know how to what to say i just want the the space and the silence to have the last word so um thank you oh how yin mm. absolutely agreed mm. and thank you all for listening uh until next time thanks for listening to the heart of soul podcast to learn more about stace baron and identity please visit identity.org to learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.